listening to Well Advised, a podcast from the Kentucky Advising Academy, an initiative of the Kentucky Council on Post-Secondary Education. I'm your host, Mitzi Holland. Our goal here is to connect people like you who are centers of influence for Kentucky students as they transition into their post-secondary lives to resources and opportunities to make the process smoother. I'm so glad you chose to tune in today. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and thank you for joining us this month as we discuss military service as a post-secondary option. I'm KAA Director Mitzi Holland, and here today I have a special guest, Dallas Kratzer, a Senior Fellow of Policy Development at the Kentucky Council on Post-Secondary Education, and today we'll be talking about special considerations and important things to know if you if you are advising a student or adult i've got to start all over again really right at the beginning so take two <laughs> i lost my place <clears throat> i can't read from the screen i'm gonna to have to do my paper that's why i printed okay. it out so okay um <clears throat> hello Thank you for joining us this month as we discuss military service as a post-secondary opportunity. I'm KAA Director Mitzi Holland, and I'm here today with a special guest, Dallas Kratzer, a Senior Fellow in Policy Development at the Kentucky Council on Post-Secondary Education. Today, we'll be talking about special considerations and important things to know if a student or adult you are advising has chosen military service after high school or has a military background. Thank you for being here today, Dallas. I'm excited for our listeners to hear from you. And um, before we get started with the actual questions, I'd like for you to give us just a little bit of background about uh, your military service and just about you in general. All right. Thanks, Mitzi. It's great to be here. Uh, looking forward to the, the opportunity to share a little bit about my military experience and uh, what we can do in higher ed to help our, our transitioning service members, those that are still military, those that are veterans now. Uh, a little bit about my history. Uh, for me, it was a great adventure. I didn't know what I was getting into when I was in high school. A buddy of mine uh, said, hey, I think I'm going to get in the guard. And I didn't even know what the guard was. And so I rode along with him, ended up taking a test, raising my hand. Next thing I know, I was at basic training. Uh, I started off as an enlisted person. The military has two elements to it, the enlisted and the officers. And uh, as I was in there doing that enlisted thing, I realized right around the 12-year point that I needed to complete my degree to really be able to do more in the Air Force. I had joined the Air Force. I was active duty, so I started taking classes. I got involved in higher ed and wow, it was just off to the races. I, I've got two associate degrees from the Community College of the Air Force, a bachelor's degree from uh, Park University. And then uh, the Air Force helped me complete uh, my one master's and paid for another master's and opened the door for me to do my PhD. So it was just a great adventure for me uh, in the military. I did 35 years uh, in the Air Force, the Air Force Reserve and the Air National Guard. and then. 2015, I retired and I started working with the American Council on Education, going out and evaluating military workplace learning to determine if there was a college credit value to what they were doing. And lo and behold, there is. There's plenty of it. And I, I help articulate that. And our advisors will see that on the joint service transcript. So I'm one of the people who put things on there. 
starting in 2015, because prior to 2015, it was a great product, but it got even better, not because of me, but ACE, looked at the way they were uh, talking about the credit and they made it more uh, civilianized. So that way, civilian schools that have no military background can better understand it. I also, along that same time, started working, working with the American Council on Education, or uh, the American Council uh, on Adult and Experiential Learning. It's called CALE. And this is where I learned a lot about CPL and credit for prior learning and how we can help colleges and universities to, to set up prior learning assessment things. I really enjoy doing that. And that's why CPE has asked me to come and, and join them is to see how we can better utilize this workplace learning in our colleges and universities. All right, there you go. That's a little bit about me. <laughs> well, we're so glad that you're part of CPE and we're glad to have your wealth of knowledge. Um, let's jump into some, like, I guess, some more um, deeper questions concerning sure. post-secondary. So what about some basic considerations in advising students? If you could talk a little bit about the difference between like joining service while enrolled in college versus military service prior to college. Sure. So these are, these can be tricky questions because if you go into the military full-time, you have that full-time job and you have to squeeze college in, uh, which is what I did whenever I was going to school. I, I worked full-time and then I went to college at night and it was five hours a night. Sometimes it was twice a week. So that's just the same challenge that our civilian counterparts have when they're trying to complete college as an adult learner or post-traditional learner. And uh, you're doing the nine to five job. If you're in the Air Force, you're doing nine to five. If you're in the Army, it's much more than that. The Marine Corps, same thing. The Navy, you may be out on a boat. So it's, the military is very demanding on your time, which the civilian sector doesn't quite have that challenge, um, but it's still tough. And then, so if you're in the military and as an advisor, you're talking to somebody in there, understanding that the military wants you to go to college, but that's a secondary thing to your primary mission. And that is to serve as a service member and be available. We constantly did 12 hour shifts for different types of events. We're practicing our trade. Uh, military members get deployed, sometimes very short notice. So as an advisor, these are all things to consider and to, to keep in mind. The biggest thing though is tell your service members keep in contact because they have a tendency that they can't tell you a lot. And they're sometimes concerned about sharing information, but develop a rapport with them that they can at least say, hey, I'm not gonna be available and give them permission to do that. Say, if you're not available, I don't need to know why, I just need to know that you are. And in the military, there's a lot of training about not giving out too much information to the civilian sector because that's our nature. We're all suspicious of everybody. We're all trying to learn what we're doing and you know, we don't want that information out there. Now, as far as the challenges for going to college after military, I, I think one of the biggest differences is as we come out of the military, we're looking to replace that job that we've just left. So if you've only been in four or five years, six years, you wanna get into the workforce. Uh, because that's how you make a living. Can we use the GI Bill to go to school and provide for a living? Yes. Can we get grants? Yes. 
but we're driven people. We want to be in the workforce doing things. And because of that, it becomes a real challenge. And um, that makes it tough at the same time. Many times a military member doesn't need to go to school full time. They, need, they can go part time. For example, uh, one I like to use is if you're an IT person in the, the military, you earn 17 to 20 hours of ACE credit recommendation for college completion in the IT field from what you've done in the military. Well, you don't have to go full-time. That's one whole semester. If you're going to uh, get your associate degree, you'll have one semester of four knocked out pretty quickly. If you're going for a bachelor's degree, there's much more. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, the drawback to waiting until you get out of the military is that workforce issue. So it's balancing that and bringing your GI Bill into uh, place and working through that. Uh, you know, the recommendation I have for academic advisors really depends on if, if they're advising from high school or if they're advising from college. For the high school advisor, military service is a great uh, opportunity. They can earn college while they go to uh, do to serve the country, but the military is not for everyone. Only about 1% of our population is even qualified to be in the military. Uh, it is great for, for the student if they can do that, or they can go to the Guard and Reserve. They don't have to go full time. So there's lots of ways to do that. And the best thing to do is build a relationship with your Guard and Reserve folks, with your active duty recruiters, talk with them and get to know. And as you get to know these programs, also reach out to some uh, ROTC instructors in your area. Maybe you don't have one at your school, but there's one at, at a school in your district. Talk with them. They're prior military. They can give you some good, good insight. Really good ideas on how to help students in the military. And they're the ones who can say whether or not a student really has the potential to get into the military. If they can't get into the military, there's always service within the civilian side of the military. And a lot of folks don't realize this, but the military side or the civilian side of the, the military is as big as those that are wearing the uniform. So lots of opportunity, particularly in the IT world. You can work with NSA and some of those organizations, CIA, FBI, and Homeland Security. Those are civilians who work in that industry of Department of Defense. They can get involved there. Um, at the same time, you know, learn who's in your school district that has military experience. You'd be surprised how many teachers have military experience. As a matter of fact, we're working on a, an initiative to help integrate more military professionals into career and technical uh, education in our high schools because they bring that wealth of experience and we can help them complete their college degree. Uh, if you're a college advisor, a lot of the same recommendations, consider talking to your ROTC programs around you. There, a lot of schools have a cross-town agreement. Um, and the one thing to understand is the difference between high school ROTC and college ROTC. High school ROTC is about building character. It's not a recruiting tool. Now, do they go in the military? Sure. But any student can be in junior ROTC. And I would encourage it because they're going to learn some great core values, some great uh, concepts about who they are and what our country's about. But they don't, they're not targeted to go into the military. ROTC at the college level, totally different ballgame. They are going into the military and they have met the requirements for admission into the, the service. 
And many times the military is paying for their college degree. So, wow, just a lot of stuff right there. I hope I didn't overwhelm you with, with all that discussion. No, that's great, Dallas. It's great. There's just so much, like you said, so much information. And um, having spent, you know, nine years as a college and career counselor, I'm learning so much just talking to you. I mean, I, I military has always been kind of a uh, difficult topic for me as a college and career counselor. Uh, it's it's so much harder, in my opinion, to talk to students about serving our country versus enrolling in a college. <laughs> so right. it, it's it's a lot uh, it's a lot different. So, but yes, I mean there is a lot of information that that uh, you can discuss. But going on to our next question, um, are there ways that military service can be used toward credit? I know there's a lot of uh, new policy and movement in that area. There is, and there's some very exciting things on the horizon that uh, that I'm getting a chance to, to comment on. And uh, military service, so, so let's back up. Once upon a time, there was a thought that you went in the military because you had nowhere else to go. That has changed. Our military service members are valued by the communities that they live in. They're valued by our country. They're, what they bring to the table in the military is now being recognized in the workforce because our military changed. The military has gotten very much about education, particularly in the high-tech area. And it's not that you're just a grunt out there carrying a weapon and you're gonna shoot the enemy. That's not it at all. Uh, they're very technical. Our young people in the military are amazing, very well-educated. Uh, lots of, and if they come to the military and they don't have the education, the military gives it to them. Earlier, I mentioned about the IT career field. So I've talked with recruiters and we're building the idea that we need to help not only students, potential students who may be recruited, but parents to understand that when you go in the military, you're going to get a lot of education. In your first year in the military, you may be more of a college student than you are a service member. You're still going to wear a uniform. You're going to have your hair cut a certain way. You have to, you know, facial, all that. Men and women uh, are on a level playing field in the military coming out after 35 years. Um, you know, diversity is a different issue in the military because we embrace it and we understand it. So everyone is challenged to be the best that they can be, like the uh, Marine Corps. But they get credit for their initial training. The IT folks, up to 17 hours of college level learning. If you go in to be an electrician, 12 to 15 credit hours to be an electrician and you can come out and jump into a journeyman program. So there are a lot of ways to apply that. And there's a great uh, website. It's called uh, acenet.edu. That's the American Council on Education's website. And you can put in there the career fields you're interested in and it will tell you what kind of credit you would earn uh, when you're in the military doing that. And for folks that have already left the military, it goes back to 1974 is when the, the electronic version goes back to. Uh, there are records even back further than that. They've been doing it since World War I in 1918. The GED came out of this. So yes, there are lots of ways that you can take your military workplace learning and convert it to college credit so uh, there are some really good programs out there in Kentucky. For example, the University of Louisville has a great 
credit for prior learning uh, degree program that you can bring that military workplace learning into and complete your bachelor's degree. Uh, one of the best, I think, is EKU. They've done a tremendous job at identifying what military learning can be used in their degree programs across the institution. Uh, another thing that's gone on is that the military has recognized that industry certifications are incredibly important. So they are aligning those job skills with those industry certifications. For example, if you're an aircraft mechanic in any of the branches, you can earn your airframe and power plant license, which is issued by the FAA. It's about 26 credit hours toward a degree. And JCC, JCTC has a great program to bring that in and help you complete that degree. And you can roll into a job making 23, 24,000 or 20, 23 or 24 an hour starting. And that's a great place to be. That's a, it's a wonderful program. Maybe on another discussion, we can talk about SkillBridge and how we just recently had a young man do that. So it's good stuff there. Uh, not to mention certifications like project management, coding, cybersecurity. These are all through a program that's called COOL. And it's a really cool program. That's the DOD Credentialing Opportunities Online program. And service members can do this while they're on active duty. And then colleges and universities can bring that as a college credit recommendation to help them complete a degree uh, with whatever they're working on. At CPE, we're looking at how drafting guidance on how we can use those best in our colleges and universities so we can maximize that credit recommendation for our service members because it's a really win-win program for us. If our service members don't have to repeat a class, great. If they get that credit recognized, better because now they're moving through their degree faster. But really relevant to all of us is if we recognize that learning, we don't waste taxpayers' dollars on something they've already done. So it saves all of us. And, and that's why I'm really passionate about this program of how we can help our service members use their, their learning in the military to complete a degree. That's awesome. Um, I know you spoke a lot about the uh, ben education benefits associated, but a couple of things that come up often when uh, talking to students about military are things like tuition assistance, GI bills, benefits, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Could you speak just a little bit to those things and uh, maybe clarify some of that for us? Sure. So there are a lot of different pockets of money that service members can use to complete their degree. Uh, you know, you mentioned the GI Bill. Well, there are about seven different types of GI Bill that you can use to complete your degree. And it's pretty much for those that have been on active duty for some period of time. Uh, we also have tuition assistance programs. You mentioned that. For people who are on active duty, they can use TA, as it's called, tuition assistance, instead of their GI Bill, which is really what we want them to do. Because if they'll save their GI Bill money, and complete their degree with tuition assistance, then they can take that GI Bill and pass it over to their dependents, which is a great way. It's a twofer because now we get the service member with the degree and we have a family member or more that could earn a degree also. Um, tuition assistance is also available for guard and reserve folks that are full time. And then there's state tuition assistance that will help our, our service members to complete degrees 
that are part-time or one weekend a month, two weeks a year, which that's not really true anymore. Our service members in the Garden Reserve serve a lot. And uh, they also can set aside that GI Bill money for their family members. Uh, one example of this is if you, you, you save that GI Bill money and you pass that along, you can make it a double where two people, well, I did that in my family, my wife, um, I was getting ready to deploy to Afghanistan and I had already completed all my degrees. I wasn't going to go and do anything more, but I still had GI Bill money left. And she was like, oh, I always want to be a nurse. Our grandson was born and he was in the NICU and she was sitting there holding him. I said, I'm going to be gone training with the army for a year. And then we're supposed to be in country for 11 months. Take my GI Bill and go to school. And she did. She went to BCTC at 49 years old and became a nurse at 52, and she's still a nurse now, and uh, it's just been incredibly rewarding. So there are many ways to do this. If you're in the Guard and Reserve, look at that state tuition for the Guard, the federal tuition for the Reserve, uh, to top off your GI Bill so that you can ma maximize what you're doing. Um, there are also a couple of other things that they can do. Uh, one thing that the cool program does is you can take those certifications and not use your GI Bill money. So even if they're in the guard or reserve, it's another way to maximize that GI Bill money without spending it. Plus, if you have been in the military and you got out, the VA has several funding opportunities to help you round out that, that degree program if you want to pursue it. And some of it is related to whether you're a disabled veteran, um, you'll find that a lot of folks coming out of military service have some kind of disability. Some are seen, some are unseen. Uh, here in Kentucky, one of the advantages that we have is if you're 100% disabled, you and immediate dependents get 100% tuition assistance at any state school. All right, a great benefit. So there are a lot of different ways uh, and funding sources out there, and that's just to mention a few. That's a lot of great information, Dallas. I love the story about your wife. Um, that's just that's awesome you're never too uh, you know you're never too old to go back to school and learn yeah. something I you know in this new job I learn something new every day and I'm so thankful for it but love right. that and love the opportunity that uh, the GI Bill affords for um, dependents of service members so or mm -hmm. spouses or, or whatever that's um, right is there anything else that you would like to add uh, before we go on to our next question about uh, the benefits or uh, of having, you know, like college prior to enrolling in the military. Uh, let's say someone has an associate's degree um, while they're in high school, they earn an associate's degree or someone has a college degree and then decides they want to enlist in the military. So uh, interesting, there's, there's a lot of opportunity if you come into the military with some level of college. If you start in the military right out of high school, no college, you're going to start as an E1 in every branch. That's the lowest pay, uh, pay rank in the military. If you have some college, you can come in as an E2 or E3, which moves you up the pay cycle a little bit further after you get your initial training done. It allows you to uh, have more income, which is great. We all like a little bit more money. And it'll uh, move you a little bit faster through your career. All right. Now, if you come in with an associate degree, there are some programs where you can be a commissioned officer. Helicopter pilots, um, Army has 
uh, warrant officers, and you can come in and go into that area, go through the basic training, and it's an even higher pay scale. Now, if you have a bachelor's degree, you could come in as an officer, and there are a lot of opportunities. This is where ROTC comes in. There are a lot of folks that go there to uh, get commissioned, a commissioned officer. As I said earlier, there are two parts to the military, the enlisted and the officer. That's a higher pay scale. The, the bare bones about it is if you come in as an enlisted person, you're going to start at about $10 or $15 an hour, plus housing and food and all that stuff and healthcare benefits. So it puts you in the $20 range. If you come in as an officer, you're going to start in the $45 to $50,000 a year pay range, which isn't too bad for having a bachelor's degree. And, you know, so uh, education counts. It really does. It matters. Like it says, higher ed matters on your screen. And with that, they can move along. It's a great benefit. I did my college degree while I was in the service and got commissioned and moved over. Um, some of the folks that come in with uh, bachelor's degrees are doctors, lawyers, chaplains, nurses. A nursing, if you have an RN, associate degree level, then you can come in as an RN and be that officer and move through there. So lots of ways to do that. It's a good salary and the retirement is a really uh, a great opportunity. Uh, you don't have to work anymore and you have healthcare for life. What a benefit, you know? Uh, the difference though between having a degree before you get in the military and getting it while you're in is the doors that it opens for job advancement. A college education says that you've done what it takes to stick to doing something hard. And that opens up those doors uh, it will allow them to, to do amazing things. And then when they go back to the civilian sector, people know officers typically have college degrees. So that opens up doors that might not have been open because you don't have a college degree. And they want to have that skill, the soft skills that the military will train you on. And that's the, the challenge. You know, a lot of folks graduate from college that have gone to college for four years. They've not been in the workplace. Well, a service member comes out and they have a college degree and three to five years of experience that the employer is looking for. And they can go right to work and, and have a very successful career. That's interesting. I had heard that, um, you know, having a degree prior to enlisting made a difference, but I wasn't sure exactly how. So that could be yeah, very totally. beneficial. <laughs> very. That's beneficial. right. Well, you know, the other thing is the ROTC can pay for your tuition for you to get that degree and go on. Uh, the military, I've, they sent me to a school and I earned a, a master's in philosophy at that school. It was 11 months long, pretty condensed. That was my whole job was to go to school. So yeah, it, the military is very much about education today. And that's very good to know. Uh, I think there's a lot of misconception out in the community about that uh, sure. because a lot of people just see the military as, you know, packing guns and, and fighting wars and, and that sort of thing, but um, because of the advances in technology and just all the changes in general, it's military so much different. I know um, as a college and career counselor, I would talk to students who were interested and their parents or grandparents maybe would come in that had served in, uh, you know, especially grandparents that maybe were in <clears throat> Vietnam or some of those things. And, right. you know, they're military experience is far different from what today's military experiences are. Very different, very so. different. You have to be computer literate. You have to be uh, culturally aware. You have to be 
uh, diversity sensitive. So all of this uh, goes into play. The soft skills of leadership that they teach. Civilian corporations spend billions of dollars to do what the military does almost on a daily basis in training leaders and teaching people to be team members and, and uh, aware of their surroundings and taking care of one another. That's just part of our world. That um, This is just really good information, Dallas. I so appreciate it. Um, you mentioned joint service transcripts and MCPLs, and that's military credit for prior learning. Um, Correct. Give us just a little bit of information about that, and then we'll we'll kind of move on to, uh, to something else. Okay, so the joint service transcript, which is a JST, that's the short term, we use all kinds of acronyms, and military credit for prior learning, MCPL, uh, those are the ways that we take that military workplace learning, that that MCPL, and then we convert it to a college or connect it to a college credit. And the JST is just like the transcript that you would get from a college or university. It shows the learning that went on while you were in the military. So as we go out and do all the different types of jobs that we do, they can articulate that credit onto that JST and then send it to a college to say, for a college to say, oh, I see that you were a recruiter, so you have interpersonal communication, and we're going to recognize that as gen ed credit in our, our program. You don't have to go back and do that training because you've already had it. If you've deployed over to another country, you have to get cultural diversity training because you have to understand that when you're in that community over there, they're not like us. And you need to be aware of the things that will cause problems and not cause problems to recognize their uh, way of life, life as opposed to our way of life. And our service members really get that. And it makes a world of difference. And when they come back from those kinds of deployments, they start working, looking at the world differently because they've had that training. Uh, all of this is recorded on the JST by the American Council on Education and then can be turned over to a college or university. They, uh, when ACE does these credit recommendations, it's not just smoke and mirrors. They have a team that will go out and do interviews and look at all the course materials and make recommendations based on what they teach. So I was a faculty advisor for quite a few years, have, have been. These credit recommendations are made by college professors who are SMEs in their area and are currently teaching in that area. So these are just like any other college professor. They just have committed to going out and evaluating this. They are compensated actually quite well to go and do this for the Department of Defense um, and for our service members. And this helps by recognizing that credit to where they don't need to take those colleges uh, courses because the learning that they've had is equivalent to or greater than what would be taught in the college class. Okay. Um, so yeah, there you go. I think that covers all that. Well, that's that's um, great. Uh, you have given us so much, so much helpful information. I feel like I have like a bunch of questions still rolling around in my mind that I would like to ask, you know, uh, but um, I know that we can't conquer everything in, you know, in a 30 minute podcast. Right. So uh, I think you'll be joining us for our webinar coming up sure. soon, yes. right? And That's so right. the webinar uh, gives people a chance to be on live with you and ask questions. 
So if you are listening to this podcast and you plan on joining us for our webinar, uh, be sure to start thinking about those questions that you would like uh, Dallas to answer. Um, he's very knowledgeable and has a wealth of information. Um, is there anything else, Dallas, that you want to mention that we may have failed to mention um, about military and centered around post-secondary advising? Uh, any tips or information that you'd like to share? Sure. One last thing, and I know we're, we're busting our time on it. No, That's we're okay. good. We're good. All right. There's a program that will allow uh, college advisors and faculty to go on a military experience. Look for that and sign up for it. For example, one of them that I did, and I, I was in the military and still went on it. They took us down to Fort Knox. We got to rappel off of a wall, do some training with the ROTC cadets, and just spend time the day down there learning what the military is like. And I'm working on hopefully a project that we're going to be able to do the same thing with the Kentucky Army Guard, fly them in helicopters down to Wendell Ford, and give them a chance to see what it's like. Any chance you get to spend time with our military folks, do it because it will give you a new appreciation for what they're doing. And it's amazing stuff. And it's free. So uh, it's because we want to teach folks. Folks don't know what military uh, is doing. We want to help share that information. We are just like the civilian sector. We are a microcosm of society. What you have in the civilian sector, we have in the military. Every job, every type of individual, it's, it's just an exciting adventure. Well, thank you so much. Uh, there's so many things to consider when we are advising our students on post-secondary success options. And knowing uh, this information really helps us better equip our students when they are choosing what their future path might be. Um, so Dallas, we appreciate you joining us today. Uh, we most certainly appreciate your service to our country and thank you for all you do. Um, if you would like to hear more about military as a post-secondary option, please join us online as we have our webinar discussing the same topic of military service and considerations needed for those advising high school students. Uh, you will be able to engage, in colleague, engage with colleagues across the state of Kentucky. You'll be able to ask Dallas questions. Uh, it's just a really, really good time. Our webinar will air on the second Thursday of November, and um, you do get ELA and Frisky training credit if you sign up for that. Uh, there's a survey at the end of each webinar. Um, so we are so much looking forward to Dallas talking about military options geared more towards secondary students in that webinar. <music>